Welcome to Da Vinci's Discourse, where the minds of today's most innovative entrepreneurs are unveiled and explored. And my name is Kyle Campbell, your guide on this journey into the depths of the entrepreneurial psyche. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dive into the minds of the greats. This is Da Vinci's Discourse. All right, brother, let's get into it. So Noah, dude, it's a pleasure to have you here, man. Why don't you tell me about yourself, brother? What, what do you do? Uh, I currently run a uh, couple companies. One company is focused on real estate and the other company is focused on marketing and sales. Uh, and I've been uh, running marketing and sales for majority of my life. Um, been just focused on those two skills, marketing and sales. I asked myself a question early on in my career, uh, what do I need to be able to make sure that I can survive in business, whatever happens? Mm. And I realized if I learn how to market and I learn how to sell, then uh, I'm pretty much set at any point in time. I can learn how to market a product, sell it, and then I'm, I'll be able to make some money. Um, but I originally started making online courses actually on Udemy. Uh, I have not touched the courses for two and a half, three years now. I racked up about a quarter million students there, about 20,000 reviews. And this is just a source of passive income that's operating in the back. Uh, I have written actually a few books and published them on Amazon Kindle, um, paperback and Kindle versions. Uh, but that's, I was really interested in writing as part of developing my expertise, but it's more personal development books. Um, I never wanted to create something related to marketing and sales because those are skills that I wanted to reserve for myself and individuals I work closely with. And um, I recently moved to Dubai after expanding the businesses. I started a brokerage company here, leveraging the marketing and sales skills that I acquired. And I still run my sales and marketing company in the back. Oh, right on, dude. So what are you brokering right now? Uh, real estate. So I do investment advisory on a different real estate projects uh, in Dubai. Oh, okay, right on, dude. So that's your focus right now, I guess, eh? Uh, focus is split, uh, half between uh, marketing lead generation and half between real estate. Okay, so marketing lead generation, is that an agency style or um, how? Agency, agency style, but I'm not really, it's not really an open agency where, you know, a client can book a meeting and they can get onboarding. Uh, I'm really just reserved to certain um certain network of people. I work with certain individuals that I know personally, and uh, I just keep it this way. Uh, I work with these individuals. It makes X amount of money. Uh, you know, it's, it's an easy business relationship because dealing, I've dealt with clients in the past. When I first started the marketing company, I was actually, I offered a free service for a month so I can onboard clients. And I, I realized that when you work with clients that you don't personally know one and second clients that don't really make a lot of money, it's really tough to work with these people because they're very stingy about details and they want so much for so little and they complain about a lot of things. So I decided to just move away from that, focus on working with people I know and for, focus on working on more uh, high ticket sales. And yeah, that's how it's been going so far. Interesting, dude. So you have no desire for new clients outside of your circle? Uh <laughs> It really depends. Like it has to be a friend of a friend uh, okay. because again, look, I'm, I'm at a point, obviously every single person who's making money, they would not mind making more, right. but I value peace of mind uh, okay. very much. Okay. I think that peace of mind is very important for me to be able to be innovative and to be able to expand my career as an entrepreneur. Hmm. And if there's a new client that's going to come in, who's going to pay me an extra $2,000, $3,000 a month, but they're going to add, they're going to double the amount of stress that I have in my life. 
And just by them being a client, I'd rather cut them out and just focus on my clients and my work and my innovation um, rather than having to take this toll on. Right. Okay. I got you. Yeah. The peace of mind is important, man. It's critical. It comes down to to firing. Essentially what you're doing is you're, you're firing clients before they get a chance to work with you. Yeah. So that you can have that that peace of mind before you have that, that struggle or that, that pain in the ass client that's uh, being annoying with you. Right. We've all been there. Um, all right, cool, man. So let's get into the marketing end of a a little bit. I want to ask you an interesting question. Um, Mm -hmm. how do you know what marketing to use when you're approaching a project? Uh, interesting question. Uh, I I don't like to recreate the wheel. Okay, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who would sit down on the whiteboard and say, okay, what kind of ads we want to run, and listen to different people talk and get ideas. I like to just see what's working and add my own twist to it. So I would just go on Instagram. One way is to something that I call hacking the algorithm. You want to you wanna hack the algorithm in a way where you go on Instagram and you type in, let's say somebody wants to do marketing for anything, for a certain product, a fitness course. They can literally go on Instagram and type in fitness course in the search bar and type it, go look at certain tags, go look at certain accounts and wait a day, close the app, wake up next day, guess what Instagram is going to be showing you? Fitness ad after fitness course ad after fitness ad after fitness course ad. And then you just skim through them. You see what the competitors are doing. And it's not a way where see what they're doing, take a screenshot and go use the same ad because then you'll get copyright flagged and and your ad account will be shut down. But you want to see what people are doing. You want to see what's actually working and you don't want to do it for one day. Look at it, engage with some ads and see if there's somebody who's been running the same ad for two months something's got to be working. I mean, why would you spend a hundred bucks a day, you know, for two months if the ad is not giving you any kind of return? So that's usually how I find my ads. I look at what the biggest uh, people in the industry are doing and I try to add my own twist to it and launch the ads. Mm, So how do you know who to look for so that you can model them? Uh, as I said, I would I would hack the algorithm. I would type it in the search bar, see the ads that pop up. And then look, when, when you see an ad and you click on it and you see a Facebook page running the ad that has right. zero likes, obviously that's not somebody that you want to learn from. But you see a page that has 620,000 followers, you know, a half a million likes, an ad that gained the 3 million views. That's a little bit more, you know, you want to look at the numbers and based off of the numbers, you can make a rational decision as to, is this something or someone that I can trust taking advice from when it comes to the ad or not? Right. Okay. So what do you think about going to the the Facebook ads, for example, or the Instagram ads that have been working for a long period of time and therefore they're obviously effective if they're still spending money on them? Do you model those yep. ads as well as, as well as the, the yep. out front pages that people are, are posting on their website? Yeah, hundred percent. Right. This is this is what you need to model. Again, uh, I believe that in the future it's good to get creative, and it's creative people uh, that do the creative initiative that gets um, the fruit of the labor initially. Uh, I'm a creative person, but I know that creativity costs a lot, and it's yes, better it to does. focus on something that works. Exactly, mm. it's better to focus first on something that works to make sure that you have a solid base, and then use your creativity on top of it. Right. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, when it comes to using your creativity on top of it, like let's say you're, you're, you're formulating a marketing campaign. Um, you start mm. with, with examining what other people are doing that you that want to emulate their success. Uh, and then you, yep. and then what's your next step after that? Test. 
do A-B yes. testing, uh, yes. split testing. What about uh, for traffic, man? So like you, for tests, that presumes that you're getting traffic. So where would your, like, where exactly. does your mind go when you think about it starting to get traffic from a dead campaign? I would run, I would run a Facebook ad. Okay. I would take ideas, uh, go on Canva. Canva is pretty widely used by everybody. I think they're, they have millions, hundreds of millions of users. You just recreate an ad similar to the ones that you saw as winning ads and you want to recreate something similar, post it on Facebook, run it for a few days, see how it goes. And then if you get good results, which ads got you the best results, do some split test variations, do some A-B testing, adjust the ad a little bit until the results get better and better. And uh, just keep adjusting the ad. If it doesn't work, try something different. And if it does work, then you're onto something. You just need to keep developing the same ad until it becomes a winning optimized ad, basically. Right. Okay. So what about organic? Because, dude, I haven't been able to get Facebook ads to work for shit. I'll tell you straight up. It's hard as hell, man. <laughs> like the offer could be a rock star offer. But I mean, I feel like I'm competing against people that I can spend 30, 40 times what I can spend because they're not caring if they profit for another 40 years, you know? So it's difficult no. as hell to get Facebook ads, Google ads to work, paid ads. Um, What do you say to, to somebody who says that to you? I've... I've noticed that it's for me, it's the opposite. It's harder for me to get organic leads mm. than to get paid leads. Um, I've been dabbling recently into Instagram reels, YouTube reels, where people are getting a, a excuse my language, but a ton of leads, right? Um, and it, it works, it works, but I believe that you need to put a certain amount of work, front load work on it for you to build a name, build a page, and be able to promote. And when you're starting a new company, um, like for example, for real estate, I did not have the time to get organic leads. I just wanted to run an ad and start getting leads right away. Um, if you're running, I understand the idea of, okay, there are people who are running a budget that's a lot higher than me, uh, who don't mind, you know, wasting money right, right now so they can make money later. But that's where creativity comes into play. So it's like, okay, what type of ads are they running? What can I do that's a little bit better than them that would differentiate me? And even with my small budget, I'm able to get a little bit of a competitive advantage over them and win some of the market share. Um, so that's where we can use our creativity to kind of gain that competitive edge. Right. So how do you think about the creativity process? Let's say you've found an ad that's working and you're thinking about modeling it. Where do you start with that process? It's it's a simple idea that I got from Hormozy, Alex Hormozy. It's what is the best offer that I can give to people that they would feel stupid saying no to, right? Mm. So if somebody's like, this ad is too good to be true, you're going a little bit into the extreme or where people won't even trust to click on your ad. But if, but if they're like, this seems too good to be true, but I'm not sure, I better check it out. Then you're hitting a very nice optimal point there. Mm. Uh, you want to get creative by leveraging this idea. It's like, what is the best offer that I can give give these people that they will feel that they will feel stupid saying no to? And then, how can I put this into words? That's where copywriting kind of comes into play. That's where the imagery comes into play, and it's all about stimulating the right emotions. You want to get creative in a sense where how can I? People think about okay, what offer do I want to give people instead of focusing on what can I? What can I show people that would stimulate the right emotions that would get them to take actions? Because people take action based on emotion. So if you can stimulate the emotion with the right graphics, with the right wording, the action will fall. So that's where creativity will come into the play. 
Right on, dude. Let's get into the offers a little bit because the offer, like you said, if you can make an offer where they feel stupid saying no to, you've got something that's that's a home run potentially, but you don't want to have something that's too attractive where people are thinking, oh man, it's too good to be true. This can't be real. And they're not going to click on it because of that that perception. So how do you strike that balance, man? Uh, A-B testing is important, but yeah. first it's just start with, let's start with uh, what's something that's a little bit believable? Like, let's say I'm a fitness coach and I want to run ad and I say, okay, lose 30 pounds or 35 pounds in the next week, or you don't pay. Who's going to lose 30 pounds in seven? That's not even healthy. Like, right. even if it's possible, man, I don't want to do that to myself. Right. Yeah. You want to be a little bit more believable. It's like, okay, let's say lose seven pounds in seven weeks, maybe a little bit or you don't pay, right? Or you don't pay is something that you can always use in ads. Plenty, ton of people use it, right? Uh, I had early on mentors that that were teaching me about marketing and they always used, or you don't pay in their campaigns. And it used to work like magic, right? So you wanna make an offer and then maybe do an A-B testing with another ad that says, hey, lose 15 pounds, double mm. in the same amount of time in, in seven weeks, or you don't pay and see what you get. You see what people, you wanna look at the data, the best way for you to predict the odds of success uh, and the future performance of your campaign or your business is to look at the data and deduct conclusions from it, uh, learn from it, adjust accordingly, recalibrate, and then go back at it and keep testing. Mm, you have the scientific method, right? You have a thesis, you've got a theory that something's gonna work, you test it out, you look at the, the results from that and then you revise based on the results. And it's an ongoing process. You never finishes, right? Uh, which is interesting exactly. because perfection is impossible. So you, I feel like that's yes. something that gets in a lot of entrepreneurs way, right? Trying to go for perfect right off the bat. Whereas it's impossible when you think about it from the scientific method, there's no such thing as perfect. Uh, the best you can do is, is just continue to reiterate until you can get better and better and better. Uh, you've got a control and you're going to test against that control as much as you can. Um, now, when it comes to the, to the testing, you start with the headline. Is that right? Headline, uh, title, creative, uh, text within the creative, uh, even landing pages. There's a lot of things that you can uh, do in terms of split testing and try different things. Right. So if, you, if you're not getting enough clicks, then you test the headline first and then you go into the body copy. Or then do you start with the headline and then into the image first? Which which do you start testing first? And then and then here's an interesting question. And how do you know what to when you're finished testing where you're you're okay with that result? Um for each ad, it's gonna be different. Yeah. Sometimes you're gonna run an ad. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to spend 200 bucks and the cost per click is going to be so high. You're going to get no leads. You spend 200 bucks. People barely even clicked on the ad, right? And you're like, okay, something is not right with the ad entirely. You got to change the creative, change the title. But then you have other ads where your cost per click is a 0.05. You're getting a ton of clicks, but then you converted two leads. Out of 2,000 people, you converted two leads. It's like, okay, maybe the offer is not as good. Right. Let's say for example, now your cost per click is good. You're converting a good number of leads to your website. You have, let's say 20 people now, uh, instead of two that visited your website, but only one of them actually signed up on your funnel. Question mark, why, right? Then you go and you adjust your funnel. Now there is five people out of 20 that are actually signing up on your funnel. Amazing. Out of these five, nobody's buying. 
adjust again, you know? So you got to go systematically step-by-step, step, cost per click, cost per acquisition, cost per lead, then cost per conversion, then cost per acquisition, average cart value. And then again, it's all based on the scientific method and the data, break down the data, see where you need to improve. There is a software called geru.com, J-E-R-U.com. It's amazing. What it gets you to do is it gets you to simulate your business model. You put an ad and you link your ad to a funnel and you link the funnel to a checkout page and a product. And then you run a simulation. You say, okay, if I get a thousand people at 0.05 cost per a click or cost per lead that go into this funnel with a 15% conversion and a 2% conversion on sale, how much would I make? And it gives you, it does the simulation and it gives you the numbers. So then you're like, okay, this is not good. I'm still losing money. What kind of percentage of conversion do I need for this to break even? You know, and then you keep adjusting and then it's like, okay, 16%. That's the sweet spot. Like, okay, how much profit do I want to make? Well, I want to make off the, this funnel an extra 5K a week, right? So it's like, okay, what kind of conversion percentage do I need? You come to the formula, like, okay, I have, I need 24% conversion in order for me to make an extra 5K a week. Then your goal is to make sure that your funnel converts at 24%. So you kind of reverse engineer the process and going through it step by step. Right, dude. I that's clever as hell. JRU.com. J R J J E R U. J E R U.com. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, yes. dude. That's killer as hell. Okay, awesome, man. I'm gonna type that in my browser right now. We're gonna get started with that as soon as this is done. I love it, dude. Yes. So <laughs> um so what you're essentially doing is you're simulating a market experiment without having to spend the money on the ads and you're finding out the bottom line percentages that you'd have to get at each step for it to be a profitable venture. Um yeah, exactly. man that's fascinating as all hell but uh jeru.com -E i don't think worked um i don't know where my mouse is is it g-e-r-u g-e-r-u sorry oh, okay it's g-e-r-u.com are you meet your next winning funnel oh, okay okay so it's like guru but with an e all right sweet exactly I exactly. got that. All right. Beauty, man. Hell yeah. I'm going to check that out after. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Of course. Of course. It can get very, get very intricate where you can also put like follow-up emails. You can put 10 mm. follow-up emails with yeah. open rates. I'm not going to get too much into it. You'll dabble into it. You'll see how it works, but it's truly fascinating. You'll, you'll run your entire marketing and sales simulation without having to spend a dime basically. And without having to do the math yourself, because you could do this on your own, but it's a pain in the ass. Like generally oh, what I do is I'll go with pen and paper and I'll try, I'll sketch out the funnel, sketch out the process, the strategy, the tactics I'm using within it. And uh, I feel like this would be a lot more effective because you don't have to do the 100%. math yourself. I hate doing the math. No, not many entrepreneurs <laughs> like doing the math part, you know? So well, if you, you make one mistake, your entire set yeah. of numbers are wrong. So you right. want to make sure that's properly calculated. Mm, interesting to do. So on the technology front, what's your opinion on AI and using AI in your marketing? Where does your mind go with that? Oh, I love AI. Hell yeah. I use ChatGPT often. Uh, I want to send, for example, quick follow-up emails. I need some text for my website, for funnels, yeah. descriptions. Uh, right. ChatGPT is my go-to. I haven't dabbled too much into, into other AI softwares yet. I know there's plenty coming out every single day almost. Yeah. Uh, but for now, I just focus on the uh, on the original uh, ChatGPT, just uh, banging out a lot of content. 
Yeah, man. They're coming out with GPT-5 this year, I hope. I hope so. It might not be called GPT-5, though, so we'll see. <laughs> I'm excited about that, man. I love ChatGPT, dude. We run our company with the engine of ChatGPT. We use our own API, our own front end, but the engine that's running, the, that's pumping the fuel through the system is ChatGPT. Um, I love it, dude. Uh, so only for, for copywriting, for um, essentially what you mentioned was just copywriting, right? Do you use it for anything else? Copywriting, uh, I haven't used it much for other purposes yet. Sometimes I dabble into it. I know, for example, if I need a fitness plan, it can build me fitness plan. If I want a schedule, it can fix my schedule. A chat GPT can be your personal assistant, can be your personal chef, give you food recommendations, can be your your um, your tourist guide. You can literally yeah. say, yeah. well, I was traveling with my girlfriend a while back and I'd literally go on chat GPT and be like, okay, Plan me a five-day trip in Rome and yeah. literally gives you everything you need to do at 12.30, you're here, you know, 1 p.m., you're there, eat at this restaurant, go there. It's like, wow, uh, right? Uh -huh. you're, getting, you're getting everything you need from ChatGPT. How do you think that AI is going to evolve in the marketing future landscape? I mean, because if you're using it for copywriting right now, where do you think it's going to go in, in let's say, five, 10 years? Nobody knows, right? But what, where, what is your prediction bringing you? It's going to keep getting better. Um, yeah. The thing is, right now you're looking at AI with basic computing power, yeah, or maybe advanced computing power uh, when it comes to ChatGPT. But we still have not tied the knot between quantum computing mm. and AI technology. Mm. At a point where you release AI technology and you open the floodgates of the internet in terms of information for ChatGPT to use all of this at its own pace, at its own um, choice. And then connect that to the power of quantum computing and the possibilities and the algorithmic power that comes with it. Uh, it's it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. Uh, <laughs> everything is, needs to be different because with this kind of computing power, you can you can break the internet um, that we currently have. So I don't know where it's going to go, but it's definitely something interesting to monitor and see where we're going to get to. I agree, dude. It's so stellar, man. It's so exciting where times are taking it. We got no idea what's going to come of it. All we can do is just buckle up and, and hang on tight, man. This is going to be a wild ride. So <laughs> I'm stoked about it, dude. Um, let's go to your brokerage because I'm curious when you started it, because it's relatively recently when you started it, right? Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. So when you started it recently, what was your first move that you made when you got into it? I had to register the company. Yeah. Uh, Dubai company registrations it takes a while and it's- Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast and I wanna let you know that I've got a free book that you can get if you want to tap into more of these resources and you can get that for free at kylesbook.com. Back to the podcast. A lot more costly than in Canada. In Canada, it's, you pay two, 300 bucks. Same thing in the US, you pay three, three 400 bucks. You register your company, you're a limited liability corporation, you get your documents for corporation, you go to the bank, you open a bank account next day, and then your company is fully ready to be operational. In Dubai, it's a long process. You need to send your company, you need to send your documents. It takes about two months for you to get your company, your documents mm -hmm. back. It costs about 15K for you to register wow. a limited liability corporation, and then you have recurrent fees. So in Canada, US, you pay a fee one time for your corporation, and then you're good. In Dubai, there's recurrent fees. So the fact that there's no taxes here, people think that it's uh, it's a money haven. But at the same time, the government is making money in other places. And obviously, uh, they're, they're right to do so, because the, the government needs to make money for them to be able to sustain such an infrastructure. Um, but that's where we started, uh, registering the company, and then opening a bank account was also a hassle. 
some of the main banks here for corporations in Canada, I registered my company, I opened a bank account next day. Here, for example, for the main banks that you need to work with, they require a, um, a rolling balance of 500,000 dirhams, which is the equivalent of about $200,000 that you need mm -hmm. to put in the bank. And there's no issue in putting that money, but the issue is that you cannot touch the balance. If you come to the end of the month where you get your statement and the money is not there, they're going to fine you for it. So it's like you're basically giving out $200,000 just for you to have a bank account, a corporate bank account. Keep in mind, there are other options, but then you're not talking about a physical bank. You're talking about online banking and so on and so forth. So company set up, opening bank accounts, setting up everything, getting the rare certificate, getting certifications that's needed for the company to be operational. And then testing ads. So that's the third step. I started testing ads mm -hmm. and running uh, sales scripts with different individuals. And that's where the ball started rolling. Uh, even though I worked in, in real estate before, so I, I had the experience that I kind of needed to uh, to work on this. Uh, but it's a completely different experience when you're working on it completely, um, completely from scratch. Ran ads, uh, saw the winning ads. I tested five different ads. One of them performed the best then kept running this ad. And I still am running this exact same ad. Mm. Get leads, I get leads every single day. And then I call the leads, um, I pitch them on different projects, explain to them how it works, and then funnel down the people who are interested to work on next steps. Oh man, that's so killer, dude. How did you know what to what that you would get into real estate? Because it's a big jump from what you were doing before because your other end of it is, is more or less the agency end of it, the, the sales and marketing route. Uh, what made you want to go into the real estate game? Uh, you said you were in it before, I, but, but what brought you there? So I always, I always dabbled into real estate in the back. Uh, yeah. I worked with individuals in Canada that worked with Remax, for example. Uh, so I always, I always had quite a bit of interest with the real estate market. And I worked in it to an extent. It wasn't as much as a direct brokerage involvement as it was as other areas in real estate. And what brought me into this specifically is because people always used to say there's a lot of competition in Dubai. And I agree, there's a lot of competition when it comes to real estate. But I don't believe that there are a lot of individuals or companies that offer an adequate service when it comes to real estate. I believe that the level of service, if we can bring a US Canadian company level of service to the Dubai infrastructure or the industry of real estate, that's where you can have a very powerful mix of elements. And that's basically what I saw when I first came here and uh, moved into real estate. Because at the end of the day, I did, I went through a certain training that I had to go through. Uh, I acquired a lot of information, did a lot of partnerships with different builders and developers here to be able to get to a point right now where I'm running fully a brokerage. Um, but it's a step-by-step -step process. And at the end of the day, it's a, it's a very nice market to be working in. It's very different for you to work with real estate investors than to work with uh, you know, a friend who has a small um, a lead generation or marketing co marketing company and they want to operate and they want to pay you $1,000 a month and they want to complain. And it's just like you're dealing with a completely different uh, set of people, set of tasks and set of goals. And um, it's it's really interesting for me. Yeah, man. I love that, dude. It sounds like uh, you're doing something that you love over there. It's Dubai is interesting, man. Why Dubai yeah. out of all the places? Because, uh, I mean, hell, it's a big move from from Ottawa, Canada, right? So why Dubai? Yes. Uh, the, the economy is booming. The economy uh, is booming. Um, I have quite a bit of family here as well. Okay. I do have family in Canada, like closer family in Canada. Uh, but I do have some extended family here. Uh, I did not have a huge network when I moved here. 
but primarily first i was sick of the snow uh to be completely honest uh, yeah. ottawa ottawa is cold man it's mm -hmm. it's cold i'm not sure where you live quebec um, dude it's colder up here <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like shit man it never stops okay. snowing up here <laughs> okay, I'm, okay, kind of so, so, I'm coming to dubai <laughs> baby come on <laughs> i'm getting the hell out of here <laughs> yeah i know i'm sick of this you know, you know too, what man. i'm talking about yeah, 100%. 100%. The, uh, the apartment that I was living in before I moved to Dubai, um, it was an, a fairly new building and the parking lot was still above ground. And uh, I had a sports car. I had a BMW 850. Nice. And I would, for example, let's say January, I need to go somewhere. You need to go down. You need to go into a big parking lot that's not covered, shovel the snow, and then get your car out of the parking lot basically going through the man it was <laughs> it was yeah. not it was not a pleasurable experience like you get a car you want to enjoy driving it but then you can't almost like seven months of the year um so the snow was definitely part of it dubai has beautiful weather but then now i learned here that summers are not even bad they're like horrible mm. so i went from um, one extreme to the other mm. uh, but overall it was just a land of opportunity in my opinion i thought that i had a Quite a bit of experience in certain areas that i can come here and i can get into the market right away which is what happened uh and we'll see where we're gonna end up i mean we're still young this is the this is the time for us to explore different possibilities explore different places and so we can pick a place to build a, a solid basin in the future Okay, right on, brother. I like that. Yeah, hell, I'm coming to Dubai, dude, because I had to get the hell out of the snow. So it's pissing me off. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Where, where in Quebec are you? Uh, Quebec City right now. It's, I Quebec alternate City. between Montreal and Quebec City. So, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I kind of just, you know, <laughs> I got my girlfriend up here and I just uh, I follow her around. We got from the house to house. So <laughs> we see wherever she goes, I go because I work online, right? So it doesn't matter where I'm at. Um, yeah, man. So Probably a lot of snow outside, right? Dude, it's ridiculous. There's like two feet of snow, three feet of snow right now. And over the last 24 hours, there's been an extra foot. Yeah, dude, it's like, oh, because I grew up in Ontario. So there was less snow where I grew up. So this is a yes. big shock to me. Yeah, man. So I got my big parka jacket, like the Arctic kind of jacket that people wear to like, like, you know, it's, oh, man. So, yeah, that's 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 my life up here. But uh, anyway, dude, let's get back into the marketing agency, because I'm curious what you're um, uh, well. Let's say I signed up with you and we were we were gonna do a campaign together for my let's say I, I run an, an AI agency, which I do. Um, where would you start in terms of helping me? Because this is interesting. You're helping an agency as an agency. So it's kind of a meta agency at that point. What would you where would yeah, right? So where did your mind go? You start with with identifying competitors um who are succeeding in, in the market that we're trying to succeed in. And where would you start with the, with the campaign? You would start with with a paid ad, uh, so you can start A/B testing, see what the market message matches, and uh, and and then you just continue to iterate that test until you until until when until it's profitable, I guess, right? Uh, until it's profitable, the first the first goal is to run an ad that generates enough good quality leads so that you're converting at a profit. Once you do at that point, this is the holy grail of any business. If you can have an ad that generates leads that convert and make you more money than what you're spending, then you can scale your business and spend more and grow more. Uh, from there, once we hit that point through the process that we went through, so seeing competitors, A-B testing, doing the adjustments until you find that winning ad, 
then that's when you can get creative and try different methods, different eyes, try to bring down cost per lead, bring down cost per acquisition, increase uh, average card value, increase average ticket size, and do the adjustments accordingly. So you are both making more and more money as you go. What about the target audience end of it? Because we're starting off with the with the ads, right? So that's interesting because the, the, the target audience is where I would start. Uh, why don't you start with the target audience? I guess you kind of do in a way if you think about it, right? It depends. It yeah. depends. Yeah. It's a very, there are two methods. One of them is a little bit unorthodox. The other one is pretty straightforward. The straight, pretty straightforward method is, you know, your audience, you're like, okay, no, I want to target individuals loving, living in the States and Canada, young professionals who are interested in technology. Right. Perfect. 32 to let's say 50 of age, um, uh, male, female, um, interested in technology, interested in ChatGPT, interested in AI technology, interested in open AI, you put, that's pretty easy to do. But then there are other people who come in and they're like, oh, I have this product. They have this cool gadget, right? And anybody can be interested in it from an 18 year old all the way to a 70 year old, because it depends on people's interests. That's where the unorthodox method comes in, where you run an ad without setting a target audience, even though you're going to be wasting more money upfront, but then based on the cost per clicks, based on the clicks, on the leads, on the sales that you get, you can narrow down, okay, who are the people who are clicking most on my ads? Oh, it's people between the age of 28 and 36 who are interested in X, Y, Z, and 90% of them, it's a, it's a male audience, only 10% are females. 100% uh, of the conversions were guys, none of the conversions were females, then you can narrow down mm. what is your target audience or the opposite, right? So these are the two methods that you follow depending on the ads and the product that you have. I love that, dude. Yeah, how you narrow down based on what's happening with the active campaign with the, I mean, it's not the company the active campaign, but the active campaign in the marketplace. Yes, uh, interesting, man. I love that. So uh, what's the question that I'm not asking, but if I asked, would provide the maximum amount of value to the audience? Uh, where to lead your audience to? Where, mm. because a lot of people, they run Facebook ads and then they're like, okay, where do I go from there? Right. right. Uh, they call the lead, uh, the lead doesn't answer or, or where should the lead go? Uh, so I originally started with ClickFunnels. I'm actually two comma club. I watched some of your podcasts. You worked, you interviewed people who worked with ClickFunnels and they got ClickFunnels awards. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're a little bit familiar with ClickFunnels, how it works. So I did hit two CC personally. I had two two CCs, one of them I didn't even apply to yet. And we hit a uh, two CCX with one of my business partners that I worked with in the past. Nice. So we had a history with ClickFunnels because we realized that the old tactic and that people still use, they run ads and then they send people over to their website. Mm. I go on your website, you have homepage, contact us, about us, products, services, pricing, services, different projects, right? People don't know where to go. Right. A funnel. A funnel is one of the most important things that people need in marketing. It's a website that has no menu where people, where you narrow down people's focus entirely into one thing, buy this product, sign up for this webinar, sign mm. up for this service, do this, do that. So people can't go click on different pages. They have a narrow focus. They need to follow the page, mm. click on certain buttons and get led from there into different steps. So I think that's very important. Second thing is email marketing. So a lot of people get leads and then what do they do? They call the lead once, lead doesn't answer. And then they're like, ah, oh, they're not interested. 
well, you got to try a little bit harder, right? We're fighting for people's attention nowadays. So using uh, Russell Brunson, the owner of ClickFunnels, talks about something called the soap opera sequence, where your emails shouldn't be boring. Hey, this is Noah from X company. I just wanted to follow up with you regarding the lead form that you submit. No, no, no. You need to be creative. Yeah. So he uses Oprah sequence. He's like, you need to turn this into a soap, a kind of series. The first email needs to stimulate curiosity and action. You want to start with the, with the moment of highest drama, right? You look at Marvel movies. They don't start with, for example, uh, Superman just walking around, getting in his car, you know. It's like it starts with the moment where Batman is standing on top of top Superman and kind of trying to kill him. And then it's the moment of, of highest drama that usually the, the greatest movies start with a moment of high drama, intensity for a minute, and then it ends. Then the movie starts, mm. right? Because you need this initial dopamine hit to stimulate people's attention. Same thing when it comes to emails. So... I can go on and on about different things that people need to know when it comes to marketing, that it's not just as simple as run an ad, get a lead and talk to them. There are so many intricate steps in between that people need to be aware of, uh, but it starts with the basics and the fundamentals that we spoke about. Yeah, man. So that leaves me with two questions. We'll start with the first one, with the, which is going back to the funnels. How do you know what lead yes. magnet to start with, to start testing with? Uh, how do you know what, what lead magnet is going to work? You look at what your competitors are doing. What are they using as a lead magnet? Are they using an ebook, a course, a meal plan? What are they using? And try to use different things. The lead magnets, you can get a list. At the end of the day, you can get an extensive list of all the lead magnets that you can use. And you can A-B test and see which one works best. Mm, okay, I love it, dude. Okay, second question. Um, this is more in line of the uh, of AI and how you use it because you mentioned that you used AI and ChatGPT for writing uh, emails. And so, yes. when you write the prompt to generate those those emails, what's some of what are some of the things that you put into the prompt to generate high quality emails and copy? So the way that I would do it with ChatGPT is obviously in the past I used to type in my emails myself, which was dreadful. Now you go with ChatGPT. You're like, okay, I have this company, this product. Write me a um, a five five series five series of emails. Mm. Uh, then ChatGPT would write you one, and you're like, okay, make it make it more uh, make it more curiosity stimulating. Mm. Make it in the style of X Y Z, right? Uh, make it in the style of Morgan Freeman, for example, right? And because ChatGPT can pick up on those things, you know, early on when people were, were asking me a lot about AI technology, I was saying the one thing that I don't think AI is going to be able to achieve is the creative aspect that human beings have. And I was very wrong on that. Opposite, because opposite man. Yeah. Opposite. Everybody was saying that. Yeah. They were yes. thinking like, okay, it's going to help me do my dishes. It's going to, it's going to be a robot. That's where it's going to start. It's going to uh, drive my car for me, but it can't do creative tasks because that's something that's only human, man. We don't, we don't outsource that. And it turns out that that was completely backwards because we've started off with outsourcing the creativity. Um, exactly. Right, dude. What are some other things you add to the prompt? You say, uh, do write in the style of somebody. So who do you the use for your, for your copywriting? For me, I use Gary Halbert for the, um, I use, write it in the style of Gary Halbert and then I optimize it from there. Because I, because the emails that I usually want to build, they follow a, a Netflix series type of flow to them. Mm. I focus on the style of some actors or in the style of some movies or in the style of some events 
Um, because we can always go back and say, okay, write me an email in the style of some of the best marketers, Russell Brunson, Alex Ramosi. But this is not primarily what we're looking for. We're looking for something that is a little bit cinematic, that's a little bit mm. dramatic, that's a little bit, you know, inspirational. Uh, so that's usually what, but there's no right or wrong, right? It's just different emails that you got to test out and see which one works best. But that's usually what I use. And I just, then I give commands to ChatGPT. Okay, make it a little bit more emotional. Make mm. the ending a little bit more inspirational. You know, mm. add a little bit more oomph to it. Whatever it is, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you just see the different versions and pick the one that you think is best. Do you have a prompt that you use? That's because for me, when I write copy, I've got like a six page prompt that I just paste in there. Then they give us some specific information about the project. And then it, it shoots me uh, relatively <laughs> like steady copy. It's been getting worse lately, which fucking pisses me off, man, because it was so good for a while, man. It was beautiful. And now lately it's like, what the hell happened? The, the quality has dropped a little bit because they're holding back on computing, computing power, which pisses me off. But uh, do you have a, a template that you use? I, I bought, when ChatGPT first came out, there were some people selling um, list of prompts. Yeah. And I actually bought one of those lists and I still have it. It's like 999 plus prompts that's on Notion uh, for ChatGPT that you can use for different, different things. Uh, sometimes I use it, but most of the times I just like to use creative prompts. I just go based off of what I'm thinking about, what I'm feeling in the moment. Yeah, right. Me too, man. Because like that's what I love about it. Spell check doesn't matter. You just let it pour out, and I find that's where the best the best exactly. instructions for the prompt comes from. Um, yeah, you just let it pour out, and, and uh, it doesn't matter how long it is, dude. Because now you can I can paste in the whole book, and it's as long as it's below three hundred pages or something ridiculous, then it'll still take it. And so that's yeah. awesome, man. I love that. I love I love what AI is doing for the marketing game. Um, anything I else you want you want to add, dude? Um. Maybe, maybe just a little emphasis on, on the importance of marketing and sales. Mm. Um, we live, we live in an age where there's an ever growing, there's an ever growing uh, desire for people to start their own business or start their own side hustle, which is amazing because we live in a time where a nine to five is not paying enough for majority of people to live a decent life. Yeah. And it's good to branch out. And people, the first thing that they do is they start focusing on, okay, I'm going to go on Instagram and go viral. And see a lot of people posting every day. And even though this is very good, but it's like, if you have an infrastructure that you cannot handle, you're going to crumble and collapse. If I was to come to somebody who wants, who aspires to build a multi-million dollar company and I say, look, that's the keys to my office. Tomorrow you're going to go in, you're going to run my company and you're going to be making over a million dollars a year. They're not going to go know where to start or what to do. So it's very important to go through the steps. But some of the first two steps that people need to learn, and this, some, this is a piece of advice that I gave to a lot of individuals in my life. And when they followed it, they saw a very big change is you need to learn marketing and you need to learn sales. Mm -hmm. You need to learn those two skills, no matter what you do in life, no matter what you sell, what kind of profession you're in. If you're an entrepreneur, somebody aspiring to have your own side hustle, your own business, you need to learn how to market effectively and you need to learn how to sell properly. Mm -hmm. If you learn those two things, basically, no matter what situation you fall into, you can find a way for you to make money because if your family is relying on you or you're relying on yourself, you need to figure out a way to take care of yourself. So 
it's it's not something that I would add as much as it's a piece of advice that I would give to anybody that would listen to this is to learn those skills because they're going to serve you for life. Yeah, man. I mean, you can start to make money without knowing how to market and sell. And you got all kinds of people that say, well, I'm not a natural salesman, so I can't do this. And it's like, well, man, then you're going to be broke your whole life because you're not figuring I, what I, you need to figure out. Um, so I, yeah, 100%, dude. And, and people would say, well, what if I can just hire out the marketing and sales? And yeah, maybe, but you're not going to know what to hire for if you don't understand the marketing and sales to begin with before you start hiring. Absolutely. Yeah, and man. imagine, imagine you hire you hire a sales team or a marketing team, and they're not performing. Yeah, you don't know. You can't. What you are you come to say? them like, what's happening? You yeah. don't know if they're performing, if they're not taking it seriously. Yeah. What mistake are they, are they even doing it? And plus, majority of people when they start a business, they don't have the capital to start a business, get an office, and hire a team. Yeah. Let alone an individual, they don't have the capacity to pay somebody five k a month. They're barely surviving on their own ad spend. So it's like, okay, they bring in somebody and this person is not performing. They don't know what's wrong. They don't know anything about anything really. And they're just sitting there, you know, twindling their thumbs being like, mm, I wonder when this is going to work. Well, that's where you got to take things into your own hands and, and kind of figure it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially sales. Uh, I come from a background. I'm an introvert myself. And... I've done a lot of public speaking competitions. I've spoken in front of hundreds of people. I've done a lot of speaking for with Toastmasters. I've done a lot of sales in my life, a lot of communication, negotiation training. And people, sometimes they look at me when I'm talking about sales and they're like, yeah, it's easy for you. Like, you know, for extroverts, it's, I'm like, dude, I'm not even, I'm not even an extrovert. It's like, as a matter of fact, I believe that introverted people, if they learn sales effectively, they can be much better at sales than extroverted people because they have this intrinsic ability of, of empathetic connection with people. Yes, exactly. Extroverted people, they have this ability to feel what other people are feeling mm. and kind of connect to it without even having to put words into it. And if you can use that to your advantage and help people through it, man, there's great things ahead. How do you develop that, man? And we'll leave it with this because that's the number one key in marketing, I think, is empathy. Being able to empathize with the person you're selling something to so that you can feel what it's like to be in their world. You can understand what it's like to, to be them, what they, what they need to hear to buy, uh, what their pains are going, they're going through are, uh, everything that they're, they're struggling with so that you can come in with a solution for. How do you go about developing empathy? Do you think there's a way for somebody who might not be that empathetic to begin with? I think it begin it begins with a self-reflection process. It begins okay. with the self. I believe that empathetic individuals who are able to develop empathy towards others are individuals that are empathetic themselves. Mm. But I believe one part that's very important is, is the purpose that people have or that they set out to follow, the journey and the, and the purpose and the passion that they have in life. If somebody is intrinsically passionate about helping others, and they have this, this deep passion or they have this meaning in life where they want to um, make, give their parents a better life. It's a very emotional goal or an emotional vision. And it fills people with the right emotions that help them stimulate a, a right internal environment to grow uh, in skills like empathy, skills like communication, understanding mm -hmm. others, listening to others, and being able to reciprocate feelings, words, and thoughts with other people.
Mm, yes. And that's the key to marketing, isn't it? Being able to reciprocate thoughts and, and fully empathize and feel what it's like to live in somebody else's world and write that 100%. copy and, and or even just give the prompts in that mindset of, of that individual you're selling something to. Dude, I love it, man. Anything else you want to add before we kick this off, brother? I love this interview. Uh, one, one last thing related to sales. So we spoke a lot about marketing, right? Yeah. And we spoke about how to go by marketing. And I believe that it's easier to learn marketing than it is to learn sales. Uh, a lot of people, they might say, okay, in terms of marketing, I'm going to go see what the best people out there in the industry are doing. I'm going to learn from them, then do something similar, test it out, try something until something works. When it comes to sales, they're going to be like, okay, what do I do? If somebody's not good at sales and they're like, okay, I'm going to practice and they want to pick up the phone and start talking to people so they can improve their sales skills. And then they're going to get 50 people who are going to hang up at them and they're going to call the names on the phone. They're going to get discouraged so quickly. So it's a lot harder to develop this. So it's an advice on how to develop kind of sales skills that I would finish this with is at one point I used to be obsessed at mimicking great speakers and great sales guides. I used to go to uh, some of the best movies, like for example, uh, Wolf of Wall Street is a movie that's highly focused on sales, right? Uh, Jordan Belfort really screwed up in what he did, but he was such a great sales guy. Mm -hmm. Being able to go to his sales scripts, being able to go to listen to his sales calls. And then I would listen, I would get the script and then I would record myself reiterating the same script. Mm. I would take speeches from movies. I would take speeches from great speakers like Eric Thomas, Les Brown, Tony Robbins. I would print out the entire script, 14 pages. I would go sit in the car so I don't bother the neighbors because it can get pretty loud. And I would just record myself repeating those scripts over and over and over and over. And then you listen to yourself and you're like, okay, I sound a little closer and a little closer. Mm. A lot of people say, okay, but that's, then you're not being original, but it starts with you mimicking the greats. Right. You follow the footsteps of the greats and you become very good at mimicking their style. Then you add your own twist to it and then you become your own person. So same thing as mm. in marketing, you want to look at the greats, what they're doing and do something similar and add your own twist to it. Same thing applies to sales. And if you do that, then you start calling people you're going to have completely different results than you would if you just start calling people with no sales skills whatsoever. Wow, man. I love that. Yeah. Even if you look at the sales scripts in the movie, Wolf of Wall Street, there are some killer scripts in the movie itself. Never mind Jordan Buffett's uh, straight line persuasion, persuasion system, which is also sweet. But uh, even well, just the movie itself, if you pay attention to the scripts in the movie, it's like, whoa, they actually put it right in the movie, yes. man. Yeah. DiCaprio oh, is great. DiCaprio is great. kidding, man. Yeah. Imagine, imagine you're able to sit down. There's, there's a part in the movie where he's, uh, he goes into the first uh, stocks company and he's making a phone call. It's like a two minute conversation. And then he finishes the entire office looking at, it's like a two minute conversation. Imagine you get the script for this. You can get it from YouTube and imagine you keep practicing it until mm. you can outperform DiCaprio in that scene. Mm. The level of communication level of expertise in talking that you get to, to be able to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And if you can then take that and apply it to any sales script that you use in your life, you're going to be absolutely crushing it. So yeah, hell yeah, man. And that's the script I was talking about, by the way. And he learned it straight from Jordan Belfort himself. You, yes. you can tell because yes. it's, it's right out of his program. And it's like, oh God. Exactly. Yeah, that's the scene <laughs> I was talking about at the first, at the yeah. first, uh, right after he got fired or right after the, the, the exactly. first report got shut down, he went to that little penny stock place. And uh, yeah. that yeah. was the yeah. script I'm thinking. I'm like, man, that's a killer script, dude. 
I love it. Yes, sir. Dude, thank you so much for being here, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. All right. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. And if you want to get a free copy of my book, go to kylesbook.com and you can get a copy there. I'll talk with you soon.